Hello and welcome to the Appetence Family Podcast. My name is Amy Polinich and I'm the creator of Appetence Families where I help mummers to live simply, birth simply and parent simply. In this series, I discuss with my beautiful Appetence mummers their birth stories in attempt to expose the real and raw truth about birth and bring light to a wide variety of birth experiences out there from natural vaginal births to epidurals, cesarean sections and home birth and everything in between. This month's birth story is with Jodie Atkinson's from Flourish Mums and Bubs. She is a doula on the Sunshine Coast and I am super excited to crack into this episode. However, I'm quickly going to run through what Appleton's Families has going on this month. This weekend, we have our Appetence Birth Workshop, which I am super excited to present. That one we recommend after 28 weeks. At the end of the month, we have our Body Balancing Workshop, which I recommend after 20 weeks. Both of those, you can bring your partner along. And then we have our Pregnancy and Postnatal Yoga Terms starting at the middle of this month for mamas only for this one. And I'm really excited. I have a different workshop as well this month that I'm doing with a women's health physio, Caitlin Pender. And we are talking all things pelvic floor for the birth, um, pregnancy and postpartum period. And then I'm going to talk about the immediate postnatal breastfeeding period and some tips and tricks on how to get through that phase, get your breast milk into your baby, get a good solid latch, hopefully getting away without sore nipples, engorgement, low supply, high supply, or anything else in between. Okay, let's get into today's podcast with Jodie. So as I said, Jodie is from Flourish Mums and Bubs, which is her business here on the Sunshine Coast, where she is a doula to our local women here. And she also runs her organic tea business, which I serve at my pregnancy and postnatal yoga, and it is delicious and it is so good for the mummers and they really feel like it helps their cervixes, their uterus and their minds ripen before their birth. Now Jodi originated from Hawaii which is where she had her babies, her two home births and she also started her midwifery career over in Hawaii. Since then, she has moved to Australia and become a doula, and she absolutely loves her job. She's so passionate about her job, about women, and about natural birth. So I'm really excited for you to hear about her two epic home births. Let's get into it. Jodie, thank you so much for joining me on the Appleton's Family Podcast. Yeah, I'm really stoked to be here today. Thanks for inviting me. Good. Pleasure. Pleasure. So we're here to talk about your birth stories. You've got two girls. How old are they now? They are 25 and 21. Beautiful. Mm. Awesome. Um, So your first girl, what was her name again? Jala. Jala. So do you want to start with um, that story there, where you were at your stage in life when you felt pregnant and how her pregnancy was for you? Okay. Um, I was 28 years old when I got pregnant with Jala. I had, um, I'd had i actually wanted to have children for it since I had been about 21, but the man I was with kept saying, next year, next year, next year, until I said, next, next airplane, <laughs> I'm flying to Maui. <laughs> So yeah, then I um, 
met a man that probably wasn't very ideal to have a child with, but my time clock was ticking pretty hard. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, okay, I just want to have a baby. So it took a few months to get pregnant, which totally blew me away because back then people used to get pregnant just from the smell of sperm. It was so easy. Wow. Um, so, but it turned out he'd actually been withholding the sperm. <laughs> I didn't realize. Oh. So... I thought I'd missed my cycle the month I got pregnant and I let him know because I'd had a yeast infection and then it had cleared and we made love and I got pregnant. So, Oh my gosh. Yeah, so... Um, and did he intentionally allow... Yeah, I think he was letting me think I was infertile. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's pretty nuts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, crazy. Clever. So you were 28 at the time living in Hawaii? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. cool. On Maui, out in a rural um, Ulapalakua, which is about... About an hour from the local hospital in town. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And then how was your pregnancy with her? Oh, it's pretty queasy for the first, you know, that first period. Mm-hmm. I think I only vomited once and it was because a mozzie got in my throat one night. And I was queasy <laughs> and it just like, okay, here we go. I don't like to vomit, so yes. I wasn't real keen. Yeah. Um, and then... Yeah, I was really healthy, very fit. I hiked a mountain every night. I was farming, so I farmed yeah. pretty much all day long. My life was just maintaining orchards and growing wow. food and hiking and swimming. I surfed till five months. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it was like surfing on a grapefruit. I was always wondering that. So you just lay on your belly mm. and you have, and it doesn't... Um... Like, you don't feel breathless or anything like that? No, it was around five months that it got to where it was like, oh, okay, this isn't working anymore. Because I've even seen some women do it where they kneel and paddle onto waves and then they stand up from kneeling. Mm-hmm. So that's another way to do it. I've always wondered that, though, how women surf. Just pregnant. little waves. I was just in little waves because yeah. I didn't want to, you know, miscarry or something. Yeah, and, yeah. And, um, yeah, little waves and it just... Yeah, it seemed fine, really, up until five months. Yeah, it was fun. Cool, cool. And why did you hike at night time? No, I didn't hike at night. I hiked Uh, the mountains every evening. Ah, okay. Because it's hot. Yeah, sure, sure. So, you know, the day's finished and then just meet my... Actually, I had a really good girlfriend who we would meet. She lived down the hill. And we would meet to hike around the... I'd helped her... I helped her have a baby... After my baby. Actually, she conceived her baby the day after I birthed Jala. Oh, wow. So we spent a lot of years kind of, and she had a two-year-old, so she'd put him in the backpack and we would go oh, hiking. and cute. Yeah, it was just a beautiful, most ex- amazing place for sunsets over the ocean where we yes. lived. So it was just a beautiful hike up the mountain, watch the sunset. and Amazing. So yeah. cool. So then um, you were a midwife at the time, is that right? Well, we called ourselves midwives in Hawaii, but I was a TBA, so a traditional birth attendant. Ah, okay. Yeah. So I was... I had gone to a birthing house in Mexico, on the border of Mexico and Texas, for three months, where I had attended 96 births in that time. Cool. Yeah, so just in a birthing house with Mexican woman. Amazing. And then I came back to Maui, and a friend, this girl, had heard about me while she was there, and she was an intern after me for the three months, and she came and found me on Maui. So we started just 
being midwives and going to births and learning from our clients. And we had a really great run. It was awesome. And then um, a, a, a licensed midwife asked me if I'd like to work with her. So I took that opportunity. And Amazing. Yeah. Okay, so before going to the Mexico place, did you have to have any like sort of Nope. All theory? I had to do was read um, one textbook. Okay. And I read it to the point where it said women that are five foot and under should expect a cesarean. And I was like, yep, okay. I'm five foot and very tiny. I'm done with that book. Yeah. It's yeah, like, forget it. So, wow. um, no, no, no previous anything. It was an amazing place. You paid $2,000. You stayed in a bunk room with about five other girls. And these wow. women would come across the border um, to have their babies so they would, when the kids turned 18, would get citizenship for the whole family. Ah. So they might save for generations the $700, which was a lot of money 30 years ago. Absolutely. Um, to come across the border and birth in that house. And in that time, there was, I could only stay awake for 96, but there was 120 births. Wow. One cesarean. Oh, wow. Which had to get sent off. And that was yes. because the... The waters broke and it was pea soup, green amniotic. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, so other than that, they were like amazing, amazing midwives. Oh my gosh, so they were really facilitating to natural birth then, obviously. Was epidurals Uh, not a thing? No, no, they couldn't. No, there was not allowed. You couldn't suture, you couldn't use epidurals, you couldn't induce, you couldn't. Ah, No Sinto drip. Wow. No, so, and mums couldn't birth if they weren't over two weeks, so they used a lot of castor oil. <laughs> and I do not recommend castor oil because there was a lot of meconium. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, baby meconium. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. So it's stressed baby. Yeah, it makes babies poo and mums poo. Oh, obviously, because it crosses over the placenta then. No, oh, no, I don't know if that's why. Or did something to do with the all the contracting of the bowel and yeah, yeah, almost stresses baby out. Yeah, it does stress baby out. Oh wow! And so in that case, did the babies come out in good condition at birth? Yeah, they were all fine. Yeah, interesting. I know the whole meconium thing here. Like yes. you can't get in the pool now, your baby, blah 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 blah. Nah, yeah, just... it's a big deal having meconium here. No, so what they did was what, what I learned there was that that little tube that you stuck down and you aspirated it yes, out yes that was how you dealt with it okay and then babies were fine oh my gosh yeah no it wasn't a problem really crazy they, that they, would have been such an experience yeah it was it was pretty amazing because it was they had to get these babies out because these women had no insurance so right. they couldn't go to hospital yes so i actually did witness quite a bit of suturing happening there too because even though they couldn't okay they would just say we're just oh they did have Sinto for bleeding oh okay yeah so just they, i am or in the drip oh just in the leg yeah so they would say we're just gonna give you a little shot now and they were actually suturing them and they, oh. they didn't ever ask any questions oh wow because they had no money to go yeah to go get sutured, sutured. No. and then they just had these you know, awful postnatal issues if they didn't. Yeah. Oh, wow, that's pretty crazy, isn't it? Okay. And And there was a lot, lots and lots of shoulder dystocias and all kinds. So I felt like I really got a lot of experience how to deal with issues. In fact, I remember the the senior midwife saying to me, um, 
okay, I know you want to learn lots while you're here, but can you stop like calling in all these problems? Because we've had enough. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so, oh, wow. Yeah. Did, um, what, what was with all the shoulders, dissociates? Why did that happen? I don't know. It was just there was a few, Most of them were little babies. Yeah, it was mm. chance. I don't think there had to be that many of them, but they yeah. got them all out. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Mm, crazy. Yeah, so okay. It was a great learning experience. Absolutely, yeah. So did they use the Mexican Rebozo heaps? Actually, no. Ah, oh, bugger. No. I was hoping they would have heaps of cool little techniques. No, no, they didn't use that at all, actually. Ah, okay. Yeah, they had lots of tricks, but not that. Okay. Were they good at facilitating normal birth? Mm, yeah. Hmm. I mean... Yeah, I mean, there were no forceps, right? Or that yeah, thing, so. yeah. They must have done something, right? Yeah. To get them all out vaginally. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there wasn't the option of all of that stuff. So Yeah. So interesting. Okay, cool. So then past that, you've come home, you're working as a wife in Hawaii. Midwife. I actually moved to Maui. I had been living on Orcas Island before that. Ah, okay. So I had then just moved to Maui... Um, Right beforehand, and actually ended up going to my first birth with a, a neighbor's really fast birth there. Mm. I had wanted to go to that birth. I was booked to go to El Paso, and I'd asked to come to her birth, and she said, no, no, she was a fourth-time mom. I'm going to have my midwife and my husband and my kids and blah, 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 so mm-hmm. I was a bit bummed, but... Mm-hmm. One morning, her little son, he's four years old, he comes up. He says, Jody, Jody, mummy says, come now, the baby's coming. I'm like, oh, Christopher, stop pulling my leg. And he's like, no, mummy really said come. So oh. I ran down the hill, and she was on her hands and knees, and I'll never forget it. She's pushing, and I'm opening my spiritual midwifery book, trying to find how to suction. Because <laughs> we used to suction right back then. Oh, and, um, all babies. All babies' noses would be suctioned. Wow. Yeah. So, um, yeah, if you read Spiritual Midwifery, it's, that's how it was when I was doing midwifery. Oh, the my same, gosh. Same style. All the vaginal checks and suctions. Yes. And so, yeah, so um, the baby, the head pops out, right? She's in her hands and knees, and I'm just like, and the water sprayed out of the nose, and the baby yes. is blue, and I've never seen a baby born yet. And I'm just like, oh, my God, I hope this baby's okay. And then, and then I just... Yeah, I went to do something, just ready to catch it. And then the midwife came flying in right at that moment. Wow. And she grabbed the shoulders and picked the baby up. 10-pound baby girl. Wow. 45 minutes. So it was your very first birth? Yeah. So it was before you went to Texas? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, right before. Oh, my gosh. I would be so intimidated walking into that when I had knew nothing, hadn't done it before. Oh, I was pretty intimidated. That is so scary. Yeah. Wow. Just didn't know what to do, really. Absolutely, but yeah. But you didn't need to do anything. No, exactly. She was doing it. I just needed to make sure I didn't hit the you floor. You need to catch really. it. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh, how funny. Okay. Yeah. And then, um, so you went through your pregnancy. It was pretty uneventful. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty good. I, I, a few times I... I think maybe I didn't account for my energy loss being pregnant. There was mm. a couple of incidences where I could have actually drowned when I was swimming in some strange places that I could, couldn't get out. Oh, really? Because of the balance. Right. And I was alone, so that was probably only the silliest things of my pregnancy. But other than that, um, yeah, no, good, wow. good health. And, oh, yep, yeah, ate lots of... Everything you're not supposed to eat. Actually, that was more yeah. of the second. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And then um, you had private midwives is that how it works yeah so because i was working as a midwife i worked with those women yeah so they were my partners and okay yeah okay cool and then they were your midwife yeah so they were my friends yeah yeah beautiful katie have her baby and yes i helped her have her baby and i got pregnant the next day that was her seventh baby (laughs) yeah crazy yeah so then um yeah tell us about your labor and how that started yes so it was um I'd gone for a hike the night before and um with my friend the usual hike and this very huge moon rose it was September and I remember saying to her so other hemisphere so I said to her um Oh my God, I want to birth on this moon. It was the biggest, roundest moon I've ever seen. And the moonrise out there was incredible because there's no mm. light, right? Yes. It's just dark. And, and it was, but it was 37 weeks, so yeah. that wasn't likely to happen. And I had a posterior baby at yes. the time. My midwives had checked that out. Posterior, and they were quite concerned about me living an hour from the hospital with a posterior baby that was mm-hmm. um, appearing to be quite large. And I'm only five foot mm-hmm. tall and pretty tiny. Mm-hmm. So there was a little bit of concern with my midwives about my, my predicament, mm-hmm. um, which I told them just to stop worrying. Yeah. I'm going to be fine. So the next day there was a fire on the land where I lived. My shed with all my baby gear was on fire and I was running to get help. And it was a very stressful couple of hours. And then around 1 o'clock, I laid down to have a nap. And then I had this sharp pain and a very loud pop. And my amniotic sac broke a large amount of water all over the bed. Be sure to put something waterproof on your bed. Tell all my clients that. (laughs) Be prepared for a popped amniotic sac. experience, yeah. Um... So that was a bit of a, a bit of a bummer. I think I might have shed a few tears at that time because I thought that I had probably gone into premature labour, mm-hmm. having been running and broke my waters at thirty-seven weeks. And yeah. Blah blah blah. So I just kind of remember, kind of. I think I spent most of the day after that kind of hanging out by myself, and then I remember. Um, my house wasn't an appropriate place to birth. It was a renovated garage, pretty pretty rustic. So I had decided to go down the hill to my friend's house to birth. She had a more normal house. And it was around sunset, so probably about 12 hours since snow. No, 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 it wouldn't have been 12 hours, maybe six hours since the waters had broke. I remember sitting on the side of the mountain watching the sunset and just having a little chat to my my baby, just telling my baby. I didn't know about having a girl or boy because I hadn't had any ultrasound or Dopplers on me my entire pregnancy because there was some concern back in those times that the heat of the ultrasound maybe would affect the unborn baby girl's um, eggs. Mm. So I chose to only ever have a fetoscope on me. So I didn't know about a girl or boy, but anyway, I'm talking to my little girl, and I just said, she was a girl, I said to her, you know, we're just going to have to do this, 
you know, I'm, I'm sorry it's a bit early to boot you out of your hotel, but, mm-hmm. you know, the waters are open and it's game on. Yeah. So there was no labor still one o'clock in the morning. So that was 12 hours later. Did your midwives know that your waters had broken? I had let them know. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So, and I'm sure they were sitting at home just like, oh, yeah, this is going to be a transport. Oh, yeah. Big posterior baby. Yeah. Waters are broken early. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, girls, if you're listening. Anyway, (laughs) so um, around one o'clock in the morning, I started feeling like I had to pee like every 10 minutes. And I think it was the fluid just still remaking itself and coming out of me. Yeah. Or just the sensations of the uterus were maybe starting to make the bladder a bit irritated. And my um, partner said, he was moaning that I was keeping him awake. So I thought, (laughs) okay, well, all right, I'll go into another room. This was a house with many rooms. So um, I went into one of the children's rooms and just found a little comfy corner Mm -hmm. and laid down in there. And I just sat up for contractions in between I just they started then once I got into that room right yeah they, isn't that interesting once you're away from yeah baby daddy yeah <laughs> yeah I just well and I just I think I found my little dark corner and yeah and it just started to kick in so that was probably around 3 a.m yeah yeah so I sat up in between and then just tried to doze in between and I had been to a um a three-day birth, home birth, that I was the um, midwife for two weeks previous to this. So mm. I really wasn't expecting anything, anything to happen very quickly. I'd been mm-hmm. to uh, well over 100 births by the time I birthed. So, mm. no, I expected the worst. Yeah. And um, so you know, I'm in there laboring. I think around 4.30, my friend who owned the house came in and said, are you okay? I need to take the kids up to the bus stop early right long bus Mm -hmm. ride so it was probably now five o'clock and I said yeah yeah I'm fine I'm doing just fine so and then I remember the dad coming in and saying all right I'm going up to the house now to do some stuff I'll I'll see you later let me know if I'm needed (laughs) yeah okay bye (laughs) and I think at that point I really wasn't terribly much in my own thinking mind so it didn't really I, I didn't think, oh, you're doing me hard yeah. done by, and it didn't even occur to me. It was just like, yeah, whatever, you're all leaving, that's just fine. Yes, um, yes. So then I think I must have gone to the toilet at around 6, oh, I can't remember, maybe 6 or 7 a.m. My friend was back, but she was really awesome. She'd just come in and say, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. And she'd just keep doing her thing. She could really see that I was quite happy on my own. Yes. So then I went to the toilet and it was kind of like an Audi housey toilet. And my um, not very experienced midwife friend who we were now, you know, cruising around the island doing births together. I knew she wasn't very experienced. I didn't want her as my midwife. Being my first birth, you know, you're like, I need to do it safely yes yes so um that's why I had the other two more experienced midwives anyway she must have heard me make a noise and um I wasn't aware of making noises but she came over and she said hey I can hear you you're in labor I'm like yeah I've been in labor for a few hours and she's like do you want me to run you a bath and I was like yeah okay that sounds good so she ran the bath for me and I climbed in it and it felt like concrete. I hated it. It felt mm. like the water had 
weight to it. So I said, no, 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 that's not working for me. So that's super interesting. Like everyone's perception on water birth is so different. Mm. Isn't it crazy? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. No, absolutely hated it. So we got out of there and so then, I don't know, the noises must have been getting louder. Of course, I was not the observer, so I was kind of in it. And and she said, do you want me to check you? And I said, because, again, like spiritual middle-free days, it was check, check, check. Everyone's mm-hmm. always checking cervixes, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, at least now they only do it, what, every four hours? Yeah, something? yeah, unless otherwise indicated, yeah. Yeah, so, which is still way too much. But anyway, yeah. I said, yeah, sure, you can check me. So she checked my cervix and she said, you're 10 centimeters. And I'm like, just like, can I swear? Yeah. I was like, you bitch. <laughs> <laughs> you have felt the false rim ring and it's, you're, you're like so off. I cannot believe yeah. that you would actually put my hopes up like that. I was so furious with her. Yes. And she's just looking at me like, okay, whoa, little yes. snappy here, right? <laughs> and um, so then right after she told me I was 10 centimeters, I actually did a little, mm, I remember that, like, mm. oh, oh gosh, maybe you're right. So she said, do you want me to call your midwives? And I said, yeah, that's probably a good idea because <laughs> they had like a 45 minute drive. And um, so then I went into my friend's living room, and she's just a darling, my friend Susie. And she had set up something by the couch for me, like a sheet to kneel on. And so I was hanging over the couch. And then another neighbor showed up, and another neighbor. Really interesting, open houses, right? This is just what happens. So crazy. But I didn't know. I was not in my body at this point. Mm-hmm. So I didn't, I didn't realize that Amelin my midwife friend had a camera and back in those days it took a week to develop right mm. i had no idea there was a camera there so i didn't know that mark was there i didn't know that until the photos were developed that he was actually at the birth mm. until later so anyway one of my mates had come over and he was an acupuncturist so he was actually doing some just put some pressure points on me cuz i at this point was hanging over the couch not coping with the pain at all. Ah. I was really having a super hard time because, in hindsight, my posterior baby was turning anterior. Yes. So I actually probably swore prolifically for an hour. Wow. So yeah. that was the part you felt you weren't coping? That no, I co- no, no, the swearing made me cope. Right. That was fine. Right. Yeah, no, the swearing was... Perfect medicine for the situation. Sometimes if it's from the outside, if the woman doesn't seem like she's, in quotations, coping, it's just her way, as you say, to be able to cope there. She's fine internally. She just needs to have that outlet of release of the pain or stress or whatever it is. I mean, it wasn't screaming, right? Screaming is a bit of a loss of control of your situation. It was a, God damn, you know, it was like a really seriously heavy deep like yeah it was my way so that was the only time of my labor that I would say I would have said it was really painful right yeah Yeah. the rest of it I was waiting for what I had observed for the last 
yeah. like many births I'd been to. Mm. And I had had a back injury in my 20s, so I was kind of waiting for that level of pain. Yeah. I wasn't perceiving my experience as pain. Interesting. Yeah, I was just seeing it as like a really cool challenge. Mm. Yeah. Just kind of like, and it was cool because you have this really intenseness, if you want to call it pain, and then it's gone and I felt really cool and I was, it was like I wasn't, I was like I had perhaps taken a drug. I right, was definitely yeah. having an out of body experience. Well, you were high on beta endorphins yeah. and oxytocin. Yeah, yeah. definitely. So, so that was very intense and that's where the acupuncturist was trying to help me cope with that, that moment. Was it helpful? I don't know. I can't yeah. remember. I only know that by the photos. Right. Very yeah. Cool. Yeah. I don't really know what he was doing yeah. actually, but I remember someone touching my back. I wonder if in that moment I would have really struggled if I had been alone. Like it was overwhelming. Till that point, I wanted to be alone. Yeah. So anyway, right about then, my midwives rocked up, and um, they came in and quite quickly. I think they were quite concerned. Um, just again of my distance to the hospital and this mm. posterior baby and blah, blah, blah. And they kind of, I don't really recall them taking much time to check in how I was. But again, you know, I wasn't really in my body. So maybe mm. they had been really beautiful and awesome and kind and gentle. Mm-hmm. And, and I just hadn't really heard all of that. But mm. all I can remember them saying was, can we check you? Mm. And... I actually don't know if they did check me. Maybe we went on what Amelin said, and Amelin might have said she's ten centimeters. Nah, they would have checked me. Mm. Yeah, they. So they said you're ten centimeters. It's time to push. And this is the first time in my labor that someone's told me I have to do something. Mm. Right. The rest of it, I've just done it all by myself and followed my own intuition. Yeah. So I looked at them and I said, I have no urge to push at all and they said but you have to you're 10 centimeters and I said I don't want to and I remember at that moment looking up at the wall on my friend's wall and there was a wildflower painting and the the flowers were moving like they were in a breeze and I remember just thinking I have to get away from everybody and everything I can't Mm -hmm. be around all these people these midwives so Mm -hmm. I just walked out of the house and went out to the lawn where there was the shade of a coconut and a papaya a young papaya tree and I remember grabbing onto the papaya it was like it was grounding me just to just to hold on to it yeah and my friend laid down the cloth this was now my not nothing to do with the midwife she's just my really good friend it's her house she laid down the cloth and um, she said, yeah, you can just have your baby here. And um, so the midwives followed me, obviously, right? It's their job. Um, mm-hmm. And one of them got me um, under the arms and told me to squat because, you know, it's in midwifery. Luckily today, we offer women a little bit more time to give their babies an opportunity to get into a more ideal position when they start to feel that first pushy urge. Mm -hmm. I think it's still rushed a little bit, but um, back then you didn't at all. 10 centimeters means time to push. Wow. That was what evidence believed was the best outcome. Mm. So, um, and evidence changes. Back then there was no episiotomies. 
Yeah. You know, crazy. and now they're full on again. Yeah. You know, there was snow and was having a PC audit at that time. Nine, nine, late, late 90s. Right. Mid 90s. So, um, so anyway, that made me have to push because she got me in a squat and mm-hmm. the head coming down pushed on all those nerves that give the, you know, the pushing mm-hmm. impulse. And so I pushed for 20 minutes in that squatting position. And then, yeah, and then mm-hmm. I, um, I must have bossed everyone around. I don't remember, but um, baby daddy was back. <laughs> so I had him sit down and I leaned. I like to birth my babies laying back. Everyone's so worried about being Whoa. on their backs. I wasn't on my back. I was just in a reclined yes, reclined. yes. Because then I, I can feel yeah. what's happening and I can catch my baby. Right. So um, I laid back and then I birthed her quite quickly. Um, it wasn't until, yes, I birthed her, pulled her up onto my chest in 10, 10 a.m. morning sunlight. Oh, gosh. Wow. It would have been hot as well. Yeah, it wasn't too hot. No, but it was too bright for my little baby. Oh, true. (laughs) She screamed. She turned pink, nice and pink real quick. Oh, yeah. I mean, there was a little dappled light from the coconut, but it was definitely like, oh, my God, where am I, (laughs) Mum? So I sat out there. and birthing your baby outside. Yeah, it was awesome. So then I sat there and proudest day of my life, and everyone was really chilled. We all hung out. There was probably about, I know there was a two-year-old there. There was a, oh, yeah, maybe Toshi was six. No, we're 10 years different, so he must be 10. There was a 2-year-old, a 10-year-old, another friend from across the way, um, Armelin. There was probably about 10 people there that I didn't know were there. That's pretty vulnerable, having all these people watch you birth a baby. I didn't know. And the very cool thing about it is they all bonded with my baby. Wow. Yeah. They all had that bonded connection with my little girl. They all were the best aunties and uncles, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we passed the baby around once the cord was cut. Everyone had a hold. Yeah. Oh, wow. So we just waited for the... I I know in the photos, um, the placenta was in the bowl before the cord was cut. Yeah. So, um... No syntocin or anything, right? The baby just had a feed and yeah. made the placenta come, come out yeah. and come off and into the bowl. Um, my midwives were totally great at, you know, supporting natural birth stage. Awesome. And so then they cut the cord and that's when everyone had a turn holding the baby. I think we were probably out there for a couple of hours. Yeah. Just out there and we had made some shade now for the baby. Amazing. Yeah, so it wasn't until after the birth that I um, got to see the photos a week later. Yeah. And so many surprises just seeing what had been going on. And um, But it wasn't for years later that I realized that the little bit of pelvic floor damage that I had on the left okay. and the tear that had happened on the left yes. was all because my baby had only rotated halfway. So right. she came out, her head was flat on one side yeah. and completely round on the other. Yeah. And she hadn't completed her rotation, which is why I didn't want to push and why I instinctively knew I needed to get away from everybody. Yeah. So, and it, yeah, it wasn't until years later when I was working as a doula supporting people that I put two and two together about 
all those bits. So yeah, yeah. So there was a little tear that was no big deal. I chose to not suture it. Um, just superficial on the outside. Yes, you know, if it had been internal in the muscle, that would have had to been stitched. So I just did my um, herbal sits fast twice a day, and it healed yes. perfectly better than before. It was just beautiful. And you sell these sits fast now, don't you? Yeah, 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 yeah awesome. The sits fast and the herbs, yeah, they're awesome. pretty amazing for helping the tissue heal. Great. Um, and then, yeah, basically, I think that afternoon we just got back in the truck and rode up the hill, and then. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I remember my first night being on my own. Baby Daddy was tired. Ah. Yeah, so I was on the, on my own on a on a mattress on the floor in in this little garage house. Oh my god! Because gosh. I couldn't didn't want to get up the stairs because my commitment to not suturing was to keep my legs together. Right. Yes. Yeah. And stay down for a good ten days. Mm. So and I remember. I always thought, you know, I remember just having to sit up and turn on a light to breastfeed and just that just that most beautiful, amazing experience of just connecting with my, my little one feeding that night. And mm. Yeah, it's, um, I, I really like to say to all those women out there that are single mums or doing it alone, it's, there's something pretty magic about actually doing it alone and there's something extremely magic and amazingly beneficial about having a dad too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely yeah. a bonus if you've got a good one. But it's not all bad, hey? It's not all bad. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. I loved... I love that it was just my my experience, my choices, my... Yeah. Yeah, so it was... Um, so a seven-hour labor for a posterior baby for a woman who's five-foot tall. Yes. Yeah. That's Hysteria amazing. doesn't have to mean you're going to have a, a long labor. That's exactly right. That is exactly right. So um, how was the breastfeeding experience for you? Was that pretty easygoing or difficult? Yeah, the interesting thing, working as a midwife in Hawaii, we um, I'd never seen a breastfeeding problem until I came here. And, you know, you'd see some mastitis and, and gorging, which are just normal. But a cracked nipple? Never. Never saw a cracked nipple. So I started working as a doula on the Sunshine Coast. And I was seeing so many problems. And I was like, I didn't know how to deal with them. Wow. So I actually went and did the Childbirth International um, Breastfeeding Educator um, course. The doula course is six months if you do 10 hours a week. The breastfeeding was two years. Wow. I was like, oh, my God, there's so much to know about breastfeeding. So So in a nutshell, what I think I have worked out there's a few things why I think I saw no issues there and why there's such a prevalence here Mm. one of the things is I was dealing with a lot of very alternative women where I was I was I was helping women birth who were two hours from transport yeah so there were no bras yeah there was a lot of sitting at the river naked swimming wow so the nipples were very tough Wow. Before birth. You know, they were quite hardened. So that, you know, they heard in the old days, you used to say, rub up your nipples? Yes. Maybe there was some, you know, wear t-shirts without bras when you're at home. Let your nipples... Yes. I had one client not long ago. I love this. This baby had the worst latch, and the mum's just like, no problem. And I'm like, does your husband suck your nipples a lot? <laughs> She's like, he's endlessly sucking my nipples. So her nipples were really tough. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. So there's that I issue. I love that. So again, 
and get them a bit suntanned, which toughens them up, toughens them up as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, if you're fair, don't worry about the sun, but just get the bra off. Yeah. Yeah, get the bra off, wear the scratchy t-shirt. Get the man on your nipples. Get the man on your nipples. <laughs> toughen up these nipples. So there was that. And then there was also, nobody cared if you were breastfeeding. Nobody, you know. Yeah. I, I remember women breastfeeding everywhere. Like, wow. in my community. Yeah. So, you know, you're at the smoothie stand, you've got your top off breastfeeding, you're at the river, you're breastfeeding, you're, you know, I remember... I had a, a like a whole mile to drive in the car after a two and a half hour trip to town, so I would just my kid would be screaming in the back of the car, so I'd breastfeed driving up the driveway. You know, yeah. it was like you just. I remember seeing women breastfeeding in town and not covering it. It yeah. was there was no stigma that this was a bad thing wow. that any of us were aware of. And then the other thing that was really interesting is. If you didn't breastfeed your baby for two years, you would have got looked at pretty bad. Really? Yeah. Wow. Two years was like the minimum. Was this... Because this was after formula was a big deal, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, because we're living yeah. in an alternative community. Right. We're living where there's a lot of people living yeah. in a rural area who are off the grid. Amazing. No electricity, no... Right. You know, so there's a whole... Yeah. Our, our community, our mental state was not that we knew what the World Health Organization was saying, which is mm. a two-year minimum for yeah. optimal health. We just, that's just what we did because our yeah. kids wanted to breastfeed, right? Yeah. So then I come to Australia and everyone's trying to breastfeed for six months. Yeah. You know, and the other thing is we didn't, our work was on the land, so yeah. our kids would run and play and then come have a feed and take off again. Yes, exactly. So we didn't have to have all this pressure to Pumps prepare our babies. And our yeah, and yeah. all of that. And we never would try to sleep train them. Wow. No way. No way. We knew that baby fed when it was hungry. Yeah. So, so co-sleeping was the norm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. No, yeah. most people didn't have a, another room to put a cot in. Yeah. Yeah, so true. Yeah. So much more traditional, like, you know, in a third world country, how it's yeah. done. So babies are next to you and they just wake when they're hungry to feed. And then they, you know, you barely wake to feed. You just kind of pop your boob in their mouth yeah. and you all doze back off. But Yeah. Yeah, so the babies always led... The feeding. Amazing. Yeah, which... That's really interesting, isn't it? Because you would have all these comparisons between over here, like here and over there, and it would be really interesting to come up with some theories on why that would be the case. Oh, definitely, yeah. yeah. So I teach a, um, a positive breastfeeding early parenting preparation yes. workshop that goes for four hours. Great. So I think a lot of those couples come away from that feeling quite empowered and informed people are clueless Absolutely. of what to expect after birth they spend you know multiple thousands of dollars on baby stuff and mm-hmm. private midwives and doulas and not mm-hmm. to say that the midwives and doulas aren't well spent money but some mm-hmm. of that baby stuff mm-hmm. you don't really need absolutely and just to prepare for a baby yeah and then they get home and they're like oh Mm-hmm. What do I do? Mm-hmm. And a lot of women that are birthing now come from mothers of a generation that failed at breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the mums come to the breastfeeding workshop too, the grandmas, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Wow, only I had known wow the stuff I could have breastfed." 
That's really interesting. Yeah, and here even with like um, not only difficulty with sleepy babies, which is more of a case, I guess, in early postpartum, but as well them getting like their mouths open enough, like the coordination. It sounds like that wasn't even a thing over there. Whereas here, that's such a thing is these babies not being able to get their mouths big enough to get a nice big latch on the Mm. nipple. So that's why we're getting all these crack nipples. Yeah, I think... I don't know. Or just the nipples were tougher, so even if the babies had a smaller latch. I think so. Okay, so then um, your second babe. How old was your first babe when you got pregnant for the second time? She was almost five. I had miscarried twins in between. Oh. Yeah. That would have been sad. So I had... That was really... was very sad, but I had this very cool experience. My... um, I had a, a close friend, so I'm now living in a different environment. I'm now two and a half hours from the hospital. Mm-hmm. So back then I was like an hour. I've moved to Kipahulu now, which is mm-hmm. even more rural. Mm-hmm. And um, I had a friend out there who told me that there's this very cool thing that happens, that can happen if you miscarry and wait to conceive until after the baby was due. Mm-hmm. So... It was a long time, right? Nine months. But I said, Mm -hmm. I just figured for my own education as a birth worker, I would give it a go. Yeah. So at around eight months, not thinking about the month at all, Mm -hmm. I produced colostrum. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. That's what she said. When I told her that day, she said, that's what happens. The body remembers it was pregnant. Wow. At how many um, weeks gestation did you miscarry? Uh, 14. 14, okay. Mm, so, it's a pretty far along. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, that was absolutely wow. incredible to actually. And I, I, kept, I kept having it until around when she was due. Is that like a nice, almost healing experience? It or was. is it a it bit was. sad? No, okay. It's very cool. I'm yeah. Really so, so grateful to have given my body that process. Yeah. And there was, without realizing it, one day I did feel very, very sad and very emotional. And I went and saw Jane. And she said, what's the date? And I was like, I don't know. I live mm-hmm. rural, right? What's the date? <laughs> <laughs> so, oh my God, it was the due date. Yeah, wow. That's when the babies were due. Ah. Yeah, so my emotional body was still quite connected too. And then... And there was such a healing after that. It was like, yes. okay, time to do this again. Wow. That is mm. interesting. I like that idea. Because it actually seems like quite a common thing, just from what I've heard. I haven't looked at stats or anything. That in between first and second babes being a miscarry. Mm. Isn't that interesting? I wonder why that is. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, there was plenty of time. Mm. Okay. So that's why they ended up being quite far apart, which was actually really wonderful because we lived rural, so the kids didn't go to school, so it really was never an issue. They were great buddies, and yeah. there was no jealousy and no competition. Oh, Jala was already a big girl. Yeah. Sister, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so then what happened? You fell pregnant at after the oh, this of the a 20s. Funny story. Tell me about how I got pregnant with this one. <laughs> New baby daddy. Completely <laughs> <laughs> new. Yeah. How old was Jala when you left their first baby daddy? Two. Two. Well, that's yeah. not true. I actually went back down the hill to my friend's house six, six, six months. Okay, with yeah. Her. Yeah. So the relationship fully ended at two. So, um, yeah. So then we moved up to Kipahulu to our friend's land. And that's where I met baby daddy number two. 
and um, he basically I ended up with him because he was just so lovely to my daughter that mm. we just really bonded and so anyway he wanted to have children and then we miscarried and that was devastating for him we underestimate how much the men experience the miscarriages so true yeah very so very devastating for him he was terrified to get pregnant again so I was always a 28-day cycle religiously. Mm. Um, and even actually, this is a good thing to know, I ovulated at four weeks postpartum with Jala, breastfeeding full-time. Ah, four weeks postpartum. Yep. So I had my first period at six weeks and I continued to have it every month. One of my girlfriends actually just told me that the other day as well. That's so interesting. Even breastfeeding full-time yep. so soon as well. Yeah. Like that's extra soon. Yep. That's sooner than what she told me. But yeah. that's crazy. Yeah. Hmm. So, yeah, don't trust your breastfeeding to not get you pregnant. Although that's I hear so that eggs true. aren't real viable. There's something right. I knew this, this information about that more. But anyway, so... Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so he was a little bit nervous about getting pregnant again, but we'd gone this nine months, and I was really ready. I just said to him, I'm, I'm really ready, but we just got a letter from some friends in the mail. No email back then. <laughs> and it said, I better get a text. <laughs> no text, <Crazy>. no phones. <laughs> Crazy. So we get a letter in the mail from friends that had moved back to the mainland and had had their second child and they said that they waited until they felt the spirit Hmm. so all of a sudden baby daddy decides that he wants to wait till we feel the spirit Mm. no he didn't communicate it that morning actually so we we actually ended up making love and it was the day after my period and we used no protection because Mm -hmm. i'm a 28 day cycle girl Mm -hmm. so we're driving back home the two and a half hour drive we were at his dad's house that's where we got pregnant So we're driving back our two and a half hour drive and he says to me, I want to wait until we feel the spirit. And I'm like, babe, I am feeling that spirit so strong today. Like so strong. I think we need to do it this month. I am so sure this baby is ready to come. And, you know, he's like, I think he was getting cold feet perhaps because he was like, no, no, I want to wait till we both feel the spirit. Mm. So anyway, sure enough. Period never came. Spirit was already <laughs> conceived. Oh my god! Yeah, on day one after my period. Wow. Yeah. So this this child was a very interesting child. She got conceived that quickly. She got mm-hmm. a, she. Anyway, I'll tell the story more. You'll see it how okay. this plays out in the story. So anyway, all right. Well, that's exciting. We're pregnant. So I could tell he was very frightened. You know, I was mm-hmm. going to miscarry again. He was very very standoffish about it all and interesting yeah and he tried to you know it was having trouble connecting with the idea of me keeping this baby right and I was a little bit scared too I think it's quite scary when you've miscarried especially that late or later that you're gonna miscarry again yeah I miscarried naturally I stayed at home for 10 days waiting after the bleeding yeah for the baby to come to, to the babies, I saw both of them. So, right. you know, there was no driving to the hospital and having a DNC or any no. of that. We just waited 10 days to know for sure. Wow. So I think I manifested a great deal of vomiting to let my mind know that I had a healthy pregnancy. Ah, yes, yes. Yeah, because I had nothing, no signs of pregnancy with the first. I felt great. Right. I didn't feel sick. So this time... 
And why I believe that is because I the only medicine I ever did was homeopathy, and my my um, homeopathy practitioners changed my remedy, and the vomiting stopped the next day. Oh wow! Yeah, it was just like okay, you don't have to do this anymore. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, you, it's okay. You know your baby's here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, so that was a really awesome, oh, such the most beautiful pregnancy. Um, once we got through that first few months, I um. Was we were ninety eight percent sustainable in our own food. The first baby was seven and a half pounds. This one was only six and a half. Wow! Different diet. Yes. Yeah. So um, very wholesome by the sounds. Oh, <laughs> such a most amazing. the The environment is just pristine. It's yeah. like massive national park and waterfalls and spring fed water. And oh wow! The ocean's just right there, and you see the whales and down in the bay. Wow! You can hear them at night birthing. It's just a pretty amazing spot. So it was incredible. a neat place. Yeah, I didn't get in a car for. I think it was about. So I think probably about six to eight weeks periods of time where I didn't even get in a car. Wow. Yeah, and you nice. were doing your birth attending at this place? Yeah. As a yeah, job. So yeah. So much less births now because I'm two and a half hours from town. Yeah. And the only transport was helicopter if it was available. Wow. So it was really only the diehard woman who yes. would have done it alone if I hadn't been there. They, yeah. You know, they knew that that's where they wanted to birth and yeah. were willing to face the consequences of their choices. So, which was true for me too. That yeah. Was, um, wow. You know, like some people, that's pretty hard to to comprehend, but for me that was the right place for me to birth. Yeah. So, um, that sounds like an insane lifestyle. Yeah. Just unheard cool. of. Hey. Yeah. yeah. And you just grew all your own veggies. Yeah. Did we you had all the community like share a, um, a farm sort of thing? No. Well, actually where Kabai was born, there was a shared garden. Mm. When we moved up after, just after she was born, we had to move to the farm next door and, there we kind of had our own veggie garden and nursery and stuff. So, wow. yeah, there was lots of orchard fruit. And, and out in that area, there's just avocados and papayas all over the road. And there's wow. plenty of food. Wow. Yeah, lots of fish to catch. and Yes. So, yeah, so really, really beautiful, not very calm pregnancy until the dad... Had taken the farm truck over to the other side to get cardboard for mulching two weeks before Kavai was born, and he rolled the truck. And I remember being pretty disturbed that day. Um, but other than that, there was really no no stress at all that whole yeah. pregnancy. And then we heard right after he rolled the truck that the land was getting seized where we were, and we were having to move. So there was a little bit of a drama that happened there that was kind of in play at the time of the birth, which then made my husband not have to work anymore which was super cool so I yeah. had his full support after birth so yeah what so the days um farming okay cool yeah so he didn't have to farm that land anymore yeah. until it had changed hands to Woody Harrelson who bought the land um mm. they were our neighbors you know the actor Woody Harrelson uh, not Cheers. really. I'm not that down. Lots of it? people will know okay. Woody Harrelson. Yeah, so oh, that's great. His children were my daughter's friends. Oh, yeah. wow. they lived on the farm next door. We had he, he, they created a homeschool and stuff for all the kids. Wow. Yeah, so Kavai, um, her birth was interesting. I so this time I I had only um, I didn't want midwives. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so I guess in a, in a, in a sense I kind of free birthed but not really I think my doula slash TBA had syntocin I think with her in case we had a bleed mm-hmm. um, but we also had shepherd's purse that we would have used first um, what's that it's a herb for hemorrhage shepherd's shepherd's purse never heard of it yeah it's a tincture wow so we would drink yeah the tincture we were taken so yeah so we we had a plan of how that was all going to unfold the first Mm. thing would have been to have eaten a bit of placenta if there was a bleed you know if it was out already Wow. And then that would have been a worry for you. You have D heart, that would be oh, <laughs> nothing no, in that girl, circumstance. No, no, actually I was appalled about eating placenta. Oh really? no way. <laughs> out of anything. That thing. No way. <laughs> so there is a story with that too. Okay. So anyway, um so she lived two and a half hours from me, this birth assistant. And um Wow, that's far. Yeah, it's a long drive. Mm-hmm. So I woke up, you know, I did the what second time mums do, and I had a couple of days where I woke up thinking, is it today? Mm. Loose bowels, crampy, mm-hmm. no, nothing happened. Second day, again, nothing happened. Mm. Third day, I thought, oh, I've got a feeling it's today. So I called her and let her know from the landline. No, I paged her probably. She would have had a pager. Oh. That's right, she would have called me back that's right yeah and I said listen this has happened for a couple of days and nothing's happened and she said yeah but this is the third day and you haven't called me so I'm going to make the drive so while I was waiting for her I knew there was 10 people coming for lunch that day from the farm it was my day to cook community lunch so I um and no excuses you must cook well I wasn't in labor right so why not (laughs) nothing was going to happen so I cooked, I remember just cooking a huge pot of quinoa and rice and went out and harvested a salad and prepared that. And it was really simple. That was done. So I was like, okay, cool. The lunch yeah. is prepared. Everyone's sleeping. It's about 4.30 in the morning. So she arrived and so did the grandma. So I could, I called her too. And they showed up and there was just nothing happening at all. I actually recently posted this on Instagram because it was her birthday the other day, my little one, 21 So I put up a few photos and so I said to them, listen, nothing's happening and I certainly don't want you guys sitting around looking at me waiting for something to happen. Nothing worse when you're, you know, waiting for a baby. Absolutely. I was 38 weeks gestation. Okay. Okay. So waters were intact. So I said, let's just go to Lily Kayat and have a swim. So we got in the car. There's no way I was going to walk. It was about a five-minute drive, yeah. but it was down the mountain and it was yeah. not going to make it back up. Yeah. So we went in the car in the, in the forerunner and we uh, drove over to Lilikea. So Lilikea is this amazing, there's an amazing fresh pool and then it goes into the ocean and then the ocean there is all lava all around with this beautiful, um, beautiful ocean scene and that's where the mother whales would come in and birth and we could hear them in the night. It was pretty cool. So it was kind of a neat spot to go pre-labor. So my husband, he was in body surfing these crazy waves right on the shoreline there. And every time I went to go get in the water, about every 10 minutes or so, I would have a cramp and I would squat down and I was like, oh, okay. So then I started to think, oh, maybe it is going to happen today. So remember, I'm Miss Denial when it comes to yeah. anything like that. So 
Don't get your hopes up too much. Yeah. So that happened for a little bit, and then probably about half an hour. So I probably maybe had like maybe three cramps during that time. And then after that, I said to still nothing happening. So I said, let's just go up to the waterfall. So we hiked up there. I said, let's go have a swim in the fresh water. And amazing, like massive waterfall up there. So it's a beautiful spot. So we hiked up there and, and I had one contraction. And I won't say this one was a cramp. I reckon this was a contraction because I sunk. Because the uterus pulled in and made me... Yeah. I like, couldn't control my body. Like you didn't have as much air inside. Yeah. Something. Floating you up. Yeah. So, so my husband had to grab me and he pulled me to the side. So there's a photo of that that I just put on Instagram. Oh, yes. I just saw that the other day. Yeah. yeah. It's him pulling me aside. Wow. So then um, after that, I was like, okay, we need to go home. I all of a sudden felt this feeling like everyone's coming for lunch. We need to go home and just get back you know, to home base. Yeah. Had one contraction on the way that was like, ooh, okay. That was full on, but one, right? Yeah. To get back, everyone's rocked up for lunch. So I fed them all lunch. It was funny and chatted and I don't have a lot of memory. I think I must have already been switching off. I don't remember conversing or anything. And then... They all left and Grandma went with Jala and they must have been reading a book somewhere. Um, the the um, TBA, she was... I don't know where she was. I couldn't see her. But I said to my husband, I said, I want you to take the sheet outside. I'm going to go have the baby. So what I try to tell my clients that I work with who have had trauma, I work them through the previous trauma with these techniques that I have because it's hard to see birth is going to be different the second time. Yes. I saw that I had to go and be on a sheet outside. Yeah. That's all my mind could conceive. Yeah. So he went out, put the sheet out on the lawn, and I waddled out there and followed him. And by the time I got there... And what, what I love about this is when I think back to it, there was no labor, but I said, I'm going to go birth my baby. There was something in my head that just switched and said, it's yeah. time. So got out there. By the time I walked to where the sheet was, I said to him, oh my God, this is too intense. You have to go get the hot water bottle. Yeah. So he's run back in the house to get the hot water bottle. He comes back, you know, of course you got to, how did he boil the water? Did Probably on the stove. No. Yeah, no so he had to use the gas and heat ah. the water. And so by the time he got back with the hottie, it was like, oh, no, you need to go run the bath, which is interesting because <laughs> I wanted the heat. Ah, interesting. But yeah. you had the bath the first yeah, time. Yeah, why I thought I was going to go in the bath, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I was like, no, go run the bath. Oh, probably because I was thinking period cramps, bath. Yeah. It should help. Something has to help, right? Yeah. So by the time I get to the bath, he's come back to get me. And you would say you're having contractions? Or I was having contractions. Yes. Full on. Yes. Oh, yeah. Every five, no timing, of course, but wow. but full on wow. equivalent to that. And, um, yeah, no, for me to be saying this is too intense, Yeah. go do da-da-da. Yeah. So he came out and got me and walked me into the bath. And actually there's a photo of that too, of me sitting looking out the window because it, it was a bath inside, but it was all open to outside. And I think I'm sitting there just saying to him, I can't, I can't do this. Wow. I can't, I said, I cannot do this for seven hours. Yes. Right? It's going to be the same as last time. Yes. 
So, in as we were walking in, my daughter said, is she in labor? And I remember him saying, yeah. And she was like, oh, so she must have been hovering nearby. And I... Uh, and I just said to her, I, felt, I said to her, where are you? I was like, I, I can't do this for seven hours. We need to go in the car now and drive to the hospital. I've been in labor for maybe tops 30 minutes. Wow. Did yeah. you know what position Bubs was at this point? She was anterior. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, mm. yeah. She didn't appear to be as big as the last one. And mm. Yeah, she was in a good position. And, and um, she said... She said to me, no, but I remember saying, we need to go the other side. That's a two and a half hour drive. I, I swear that wasn't me talking. <laughs> Not the person that was in labor. It was like yes. some other like random idiot who thinks we're going to drive two and a half hours to town. Laboring. Yeah. I've never been in a hospital at all for anything for myself in my life. And that's wow. where I felt I had to go. Crazy. So that? she says to me, why don't you check your cervix? And I said, okay, that's probably a good idea. I'll yeah. check my cervix. And, and I felt my cervix very clearly. It was down very low. Yeah. Paper thin. Yeah. Three centimeters. Okay. Bulging water bag. And that's when I said to her, you know what? No, we are going. I am three centimeters. I cannot do this for yeah. that long. Wow. So, and I remember feeling like I was actually just going out of my mind with how intense it was. So, but then I was like, oh, I've got to poo. So I'm in the bath, right? Yeah. I jump in. Thank goodness this house had a toilet. (laughs) So I get out of the bath, onto the flush toilet. I do a little push and the water bag broke. The water's broke. Wow. And out slipped the head. Oh my god! To where it was just starting to crown. I got I, I, I just, I just, gro- no, it was paper thin. It was just waiting for the waters to go. Yeah, yeah. It, but was, it, just, it had to dilate super quick. No, I think what happened was, I think it was already ready to dilate. It was like would have gone there if right. the waters hadn't been holding it back. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, so the waters broke and it just went, ooh, just Crazy. gently slipped back. And then, um, amazing. So then I was like, oh my God, it's the head coming. So I held the head and I jumped off the toilet and jumped back into the bath. (laughs) And there's a great photo of that on Instagram too, where I'm looking at her holding the head like, "Ah." (laughs) like, and what I'm saying to her is I want you to help with the shoulders. I was really worried that the shoulders might, you know, like Mm. pop out both at once and give me a tear and she couldn't suture. Yeah. So, and I didn't know how big a tear I might get, you know. So, yeah. So yeah. I'm like, you need to help me with the shoulders. So she came and helped with the shoulders and put the baby on. Did me she and... slow it down? Yeah. Yeah. No, okay. no, actually, no. Or was it because it was water birth? There was no touch. The head was already. No, I'm touching my baby's head under the water. Oh, wow. So when I get told off all the time at the hospital, yeah. I'm telling my clients to touch their babies. Yeah. It's like, oh, right. Okay, yeah. Sorry, I <laughs> it's such mine. a thing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah so, um,. No, my hand's on the head with the head out there. Wow. So that's when she must have come around and then helped guide the shoulders and place the bubby on me. Right. And, um, yeah, and then I just kind of hung out with her on me, quite astonished, because that was 45 minutes. That is crazy. Yeah, that was very, very fast. Too fast. Yeah. Shockingly fast. Yeah. Um, (laughs) 
So then I just kind of hung out and bonded with her for probably about an hour. All the families in there were just all kind of hanging out. So you really liked the bath this time? I was only in there for like, what, yeah. five minutes? Crazy. Because I emptied the water after once it got cool. So there's another photo where I'm just sitting there holding her. Yeah. We've already got the, the wool booties on that mum had knitted and sent from New Zealand, Cute. right? Or on the feet. And she's all covered. And we're but just... your mum was there at the time? Was no, she? no, my husband's mum. Oh, sure. Yes. Yeah, okay. no, I never wanted my mum at my birth. She had terrible births. Oh. She always told me that my birth was like the hardest day of her life. And that's why I got into midwifery, actually. Oh, I wanted wow. to like prove that birth could be different. Yeah. Because even then you knew that it was something more. Yeah, yeah, it had to be. Yeah. yeah, I mean, she vaginally birthed me without any forceps or anything, but yeah. she said she just couldn't let go. Right, she just held on to the control and just couldn't open up. Yeah, so she reckons it was so hard because it went for twenty four hours. I'm like, mom, that's an average first birth. Yeah, that's what you should expect for a first birth. Yeah, right? yeah. So um, yeah. So we just kind of laid there and in the bath. I just sat with her and bonded, and then got out and then and then there's then we went on to the bed that was in the living room which is where our bed was and um birthed the placenta it's just a little little placenta a little perfect placenta because she was just six and a half pounds i didn't need to be big and um my um doula slash midwife checked it out and it was all intact and perfect and beautiful and then she kind of vanished and went into the kitchen which it's connected. It's just one room, but she was over in the over in the kitchen. She had asked me prenatally if I wanted to eat my placenta, and I said, "Heck no!" I buried the first one under a sandalwood, and um, so I hear her chopping away in the kitchen. And then she comes over with all this sashimied placenta with toothpicks and everything. Oh my goodness! Yeah, and she's like, "Would you like to try your placenta?" Wow. And I'm like, oh, only because you've gone to all this effort. So I I had a bite and so did my husband. Oh, my god! And we actually fought each other for it. What? It was amazing. We ate half of it raw and then the other half she um, seared like tuna, you know, where you just yeah. sear it on the sides with lemon and salt. And oh, my yeah, god! And, and I figured sometimes I wonder about the whole placenta thing I mean my placenta was very clean you know because yeah. I've been in a very clean environment so yes. I felt alright about eating it yes um so yeah it was um that's amazing yeah your husband would have been pretty alternate to be able to do that I could oh, yeah. never imagine yeah he was <laughs> lucky doing that <laughs> yeah no he was very well I wasn't either of our plan was it yeah but it was just Good on you absolutely delicious oh I was just totally amazed at how Ten, I mean, compared to a, a deer heart, it wasn't a whole lot different, right? Okay. It's the same kind of yeah. meaty. And you're right, because the placenta is a detoxifying a... organ, but when you've had next to no toxins, mm. it's probably a bit more advertising, yeah. And I knew where it had come from, and it was... Yeah. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was crazy. served my baby for all that time. Yeah. So, yeah, it was kind of... Amazing. So we had planned to take the placenta to the ocean was the plan because we, we ended up calling her Kavai, which yeah. is the water. Oh, wow. And, um, oh, yeah, she was a baby girl. So we, when we, once once we had recovered after birth, we, we took what was left. We put it in the fridge and 
we took the amniotic sac and the cord and stuff down to the ocean mm-hmm. to, to throw it in and say a prayer with it and, you know, free it. Yeah. And so if you can imagine this scene, it's like a windy day and it's like all this lava rock that we're standing on and it's pretty wild. Like you could get swept off of there if the waves were too big, but they weren't too bad that day. Right. And then to the other side, there's this most amazing saltwater pool that's connected to the waves flowing in, mm. but it goes nowhere else. Right. And um, <clears throat> we took Kavai swimming in there. She was probably only just a, a few days old, just oh. swimming in that water. And so anyway, so then we decided to <clears throat> throw this placenta over and we fling it with a big prayer. <laughs> yeah. And then this big wave comes that could have taken all of us and flipped the placenta back into the fresh into the pool oh my gosh (laughs) that's pretty weird yeah it was really weird so um, my husband just went in and there's a cave in there so he just went and dove under and like put a rock on it and left it for the crabbies to eat oh wow was this sorry the first placenta no this was my second this was the second so you didn't eat the whole thing no, the co- we didn't eat the cord in the amniotic sac, no. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, okay. Sure, 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 Yes. No, you only eat the very tender. The fleshy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. The maternal side. Oh, my gosh. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. So. How amazing. And, of course, breastfeeding seemed to be pretty simple. Yeah. I breastfed yeah. her for two years. Not yeah. like two and a half with the first, but two with her. Yes. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Yeah. How cool is that? Yeah, breastfeeding was great with her, actually. Yeah, I did have a... Um, we should talk about the immediate postpartum. Yes. Yeah. So um, after the birth, because it was so fast, mm-hmm. and I'd had a little bit of pelvic floor damage with the first, I think, from the um, yes. half-rotated baby. Didn't yeah. know that, though. Um, <clears throat> it was day two after birth my husband asked if because I was doing just fine right and he said did I feel all right about him and um his mum and Jala going off for a surf at the beach and I said yeah yeah that's fine they left me food and what have you and yeah so I'm sitting there with my baby and I know that you should rest for at least two weeks yeah a month ideally yeah I knew that Mm -hmm. because I've told plenty of people that Mm mm-hmm so they were gone for a really long time, and I was getting pretty bored, right? No Netflix, no phone. Yeah. No, just sitting there, you know, yeah. with my baby, who was lovely, but she was sleeping. So I thought, yeah. oh, well, like, there's dirty laundry there, and the floor needs sweeping. So I thought, I'll get up and go put some laundry on. So this is the same day that you birthed your baby, yeah? Second. Second Second day. day. Okay. Yeah. So, and I could have gone for a surf that afternoon, honestly. I felt yeah. better than being pregnant. It was so easy wow. to birth. But body had still carried a baby for yes. nine months and was very vulnerable. Yeah. Should have thought about that. Should have thought that a little bit more through. So I carried the laundry over to the wash house, which was a fair ways. Came back, yeah. laid down, did what I was supposed to. Then I got up and I went and got the wet load of laundry, brought oh. it home and hung it. And then... Still, everything was fine. Laid back down. Hours are going by. It's like, where's my support team? Yeah. You need to have people that are there with you, caring for you. Birthing on your own is one thing. Yeah. Postpartum, you need people caring for you. Good call. So I thought, I'll get up and sweep the floor now. So I started sweeping and I felt this weird tug. Mm. Really weird tug down low. And I thought, oh, that didn't feel good. 
Yeah. So I laid back down and everything was fine. I got up and had dinner with everyone later. And so on the third day, I went to go and have a bowel movement. Mm. And it felt like I was pulling out her head. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was the most scariest moment of my life. And it took a while to actually work out what I had done. A traditional midwife came and visited me a few days later. She was from the mainland, and I described what was happening every morning and how everything felt like it was falling out when I stood up. And she said, oh, you've prolapsed your rectum. Yes. So the speed of the tissue moving really fast in combination with the previous little bit of damage, which we all get from birth. We get a little bit. And that's why it's good to rest after so it can all heal back up. Yes. And then lifting the heavy weight of the washing and the sweeping yes just made it all fall down so it took a little while to get that all sorted how'd Um, you go about getting that sorted well i went to a a a gp who was also a natural guy and uh yeah i didn't really ever go to doctors i only had a homeopathic doctor so this was a new venture for me yeah yeah and again i had no ultrasound or doctors with her yeah so i don't think i even got a prenatal check until around five months with her yeah right um so anyway he he had a feel inside and he said oh it's just your uterus is a little bit low just go home and lay on a slant board and it should heal up fine went home I did that for two weeks and nothing got better and um oh yeah so it was after that that raven visited and I told her I've been doing this and that and nothing's working and she said what we've done so she said you need to go see an obstetrician so i went and saw an obstetrician and that would have been pretty intimidating oh my golly gosh yeah it was very intense yeah whole nother world yeah yeah it was i was so out of my fish out of water now but he was a lovely man and oh good he i told him what i was feeling and he got up had me get up on the table and he did a vaginal exam and he said it just feels like your uterus is a little bit low you would expect that like everyone said the same thing so I got off the table and I said hey listen mate I'm standing here and I can feel like things are falling out of me yeah and he's like oh okay jump back up on the bed so this is a really good lesson that we all feel things differently I was feeling my prolapse as someone I only had a one out of a four but somebody with a full prolapse might feel the same as what I was feeling. I'm wow. so sensitively connected to my body. It was so yes. extreme for me. Yes. So he said, jump on the bed, squat and bear down with my fingers inside of you. And I'm going to see mm-hmm. what I can feel. And he's mm-hmm. like, oh, there's your uterus, bladder and rectum that are in your vagina. Oh. Yeah. So wow. I've done a real number. So back then it was... Pretty much up till that date, it was all surgery for this kind of condition, which failed utterly. Yeah, the How, surgery did. For all the other women uh, ahead of me, surgery was never very effective. So uh, I told a midwife friend what had happened. She says, oh, I've just heard about this girl that's moved to the island who does pelvic floor physio. Ah. Uh, first... The first of it happening. So we're talking 26 years ago now. Wow. No, no, 21 years ago. Wow. And I, she said, you need to go see her. So I did, and I healed my, my pelvic floor issues with her. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. So is this after the operation? No, I didn't have an operation. You what didn't I, have What one. I was saying is all the women... 
before me mm. with the same issues had to have surgeries. Mm-hmm. So what this um, woman said, this practitioner said, yeah, now that we've got these skills, we don't have to do surgery anymore. We can actually help women rebuild floor. their pelvic floors so they can avoid that surgery. That is amazing. Isn't yeah. that amazing? So I actually lucky. do really feel women's health physios is super... Um, super important before birth and after birth for all women. Like, even if they oh, had a normal yeah. vaginal birth, like, both yours but normal vaginal births, and you never know when that nope. you've had a pelvic floor issue, you know? No, I yeah. tell my clients, before you resume any regular yeah. physical ac- activity at six weeks, so you yeah. can see a pelvic floor physio. Absolutely. And just get the thumbs up, because I've met women in the community, young women, who at six weeks start squatting, with, yes. with a little bit of weight and prolapse. Yes. Because their body was not... You've got to let that... You've got to let your body, like, heal for nine months. Yeah. yeah. Especially before you do stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah walking and going yeah. to a yoga class. Yeah. You know, yeah. Going for a swim or something. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. But anything requiring... Yeah. Just yeah. go get a check. It's just they don't check it out and say, Absolutely. yeah, you're looking great. Or, like, hey a bit of damage here let's do this before you resume activity absolutely so at latest six weeks postpartum i'd say for a women's health physio checkup and if you want to get it antenatal my women's health physio friend does recommend that too in the second trimester so just for women at home wondering um they're invaluable they're just offer such such a good yeah I'm I'm so glad you shared that story. That's really great. That's really great. Okay, cool. So then you've gone through everything now. When did you move to Australia? Um, 14 14 years ago, I think. So your youngest was five. Uh, No, seven. Seven. Was that 14? Yeah. You are. Sorry, that was not very bad. The husband decided to go walk about and um, I needed Mm. family support. Absolutely. Yeah, so Jala was 12 and Kabai was 7. Okay. Yeah. And your parents live in New Zealand? No, they're all here. They're all on the here coast. too. On yeah. The coast. Yeah, and that's why I got into doula work because I came here and I was like, oh gosh, how do I work as a TBA here? I didn't know anything, the laws, because it's illegal right. in Hawaii, but yeah. it was accepted. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, I didn't want to... I didn't want to go through all the hoops of how that was going to look. And the distances yeah. were so huge. Yeah. So once the kids got a bit older, I thought, okay, well, I heard about doulas. And I was yeah. like, oh, this sounds kind of cool. Yeah. So I did the doula study with Child Growth International. And which really what that taught me from being a midwife to a doula is rather than giving my opinion all the time about how pregnancy and birth should look mm-hmm. or how what you need to do mm-hmm. I take off that hat and I get rid of my opinions and I guide my clients to find all the evidence they need to make their own empowered choices isn't it and I love it I just I love being a doula compared to a midwife it's wow. just so so freeing and there's no protocol and there's yeah. no you know I can just help women have awesome labors at home yeah and then we just you know, if, if I see that labor's progressing as it should, I just wait for the mum to tell me it's time to go. Yeah. And then we just get the birth a couple of days ago. We we got there at 5 a.m. and she had a baby at 6.38 a.m., which was really cool. Oh, wow. Yeah. Amazing. First timer. Would you say you do most home births? No, hospital. I like, hospital, being, yeah. I like being in the hospital because I enjoy the challenge. Oh, <laughs> 
Yeah, I do. I really enjoy because there's a ton of women going in there to birth, and if I'm not there, yes, if doulas aren't with them, they're going to have a very different experience than if you've got a doula. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's not it's not just about rubbing the back, right? Mm. So at home, my work is about you know helping dads stay engaged, helping dads have naps, getting fed helping mums be comfortable, mm-hmm. helping them know that everything's normal. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as we, and they know this prenatally from me, they're educated before we go in. When as soon as we walk into a birth suite, it all changes. Mm-hmm. It's, I'm going to really have dad more focusing on your nurturing. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be like keeping an eye on what's happening and mm-hmm. keeping your labor flowing to mm-hmm. the best of how you want it to as mm-hmm. much as I possibly can within, mm-hmm. within that environment yeah and that's where the challenge comes in yes because it's like you know protocol is protocol but protocol you don't have to do what protocol is yes mum doesn't yes no absolutely no my clients generally don't get vaginal checks they don't get induced Mm. they don't you know i've had a mum go to 43 weeks gestation Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's quite normal for them to go to 42 weeks first timers so Yeah, we just, but within that, we're also, we're not ignorantly choosing mm. to, you not know, follow. go against the grain. Yeah. We're educated. We know what's safe. We know what's not. We yeah. know, and I think that's where my midwifery background really helps because mm-hmm. I understand the midwifery thinking, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah. yeah, sometimes I am like, yep, guys, this is when we have some toxin, you are yeah. bleeding, let's have a shot. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah absolutely. So Yes. Ah, how so it's kind of fun yeah whereas when I go to home births it's different mm. it's um I love it because I think ultimately births should really happen at home if a woman is feeling confident to do so absolutely um but it seems like most of our society isn't isn't there yeah so majority definitely isn't and there is a real shortage of um private midwives yeah, it's appearing that way yeah. since COVID. At least they're all very booked. Yeah, absolutely. so a doula is a great option. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's like you're gonna get yeah good continuity of care, uh-huh. and most doulas are very educated on how normal yeah. birth looks. And absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's a great a great alternative, and, and having a private midwife is awesome too. Because right. She's going to run your birth for the most part in the hospital, which is great. Mm, yeah. Um, but within protocol. Yeah. So in some Do ways... Do you have the midwives have to follow the protocol in hospital? I would think so. Mm, I'm not actually... I don't have any We'll have to research that. Yeah. I think I'll so, ask right? R- some of the rules are rules. I know because... Yeah, true. I th- they probably would have to, wouldn't they? Yeah. They to a certain degree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, you're not being watched completely, so... Yeah. yeah. There's room for leeway, for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, okay, cool. So what would your biggest tip to birth simply be? Get incredibly educated. Mm-hmm. Write an effective birth plan. Mm-hmm. And be so prepared that when it's time to birth, you can switch it all off and trust your amazing support team that you have ready for birth epic yeah. epic so yeah. good so you can actually leave your mind behind and go into your animal body yeah because if you're not educated and you don't have an effective birth plan that you are 
partner passes to the midwife on the way in and says, please read this before you do anything mm-hmm. to my partner. Mm-hmm. And you aren't surrounded by people that you know have your back. You yeah. have to be in your mind. Yeah, that's exactly right. You can't exactly leave right. your mind. You, you, you know. For safety, yeah. Yeah, for yeah. protection of yourself, mm-hmm. to guard your birth, to make sure, you know, when I hear people say, I'm just going to go to the hospital and go with the flow. Oh, I hate that. I'm going to wing it. The flow like is pretty cool scary in there. Say. Yeah. Yeah, no, no. It's, oh. you know, no, don't go with the flow of the hospital. Yeah. I, yeah. Unless you don't care to have a natural birth. Yeah, that's true. And some women don't. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, there's a lot of beautiful hospital midwives. They are mm-hmm. just beautiful, but they're, they're very frustrated in the environment they're having to work in. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's Queensland guidelines. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. you know, I think it, in it, I think, I know I said to a hospital midwife once, I said, can we have someone who's really, who, who really supports natural birth as our midwife in this room? And um, she said, we all support natural birth, but how many are comfortable with natural birth? How many natural births have they seen? I remember being at a birth once where my client had a student and she birthed naturally, she birthed her placenta natural third stage and the it was an mgp actually and the mgp midwife looked at her and she said well how was that she said yeah that was my first natural birth i've seen all the way start to finish so you know you've got young girls coming through who just have don't know what natural birth looks like Mm. i mean good luck having natural third stage you know it's it takes a lot of a lot of um a lot of education and patience. Mm-hmm. So, trust. Trust. Because you're in an environment where you need oxytocin to help your placenta release mm-hmm. and everyone around you is wanting to poke Freak you with oxytocin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What would your biggest tip be to parents simply? Let your baby run the show. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> they want to feed, feed them. Yeah. If, if they can't sleep off you, let them sleep on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, trust your baby. And there's a book that I looked at, that I read when I was having babies. That was my Bible, and it was called The Continuum Concept. Okay. Yeah, I actually bought it recently because my daughter said to me, you know, Mom, I have really good attachment style or something, <laughs> something like that. Like she's studying, <laughs> studying psychology. I have very good attachment style or something. And she's like, yeah. what, what was your – what, what – how – what did you follow, Mum? What was your... Yeah. So I looked on eBay. I was like, oh, it's still there. I'll so get I you to send book. me a photo of the cover and I'll put yeah. it up with the podcast in case okay, women yeah. are like wanting to get around that yeah. book. Continuum concept. It's very Continuum old. Continuum concept. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, I just let my babies feed when they were hungry. I never tried... Oh, don't manipulate their sleep. Mm. Oh, my gosh. Babies are supposed to wake and feed every two to three hours if you want to maintain your supply of milk. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Oh, and definitely drink. I, I swear I've had so many very effective labors this year. I don't think there's been one that's been over 10 hours, and three of those have been first-timers. Wow. And that's, I reckon, my pregnancy well-being tea, the mixture of the raspberry and shatavari. Ah. Those uteruses are just... Whew. Really? Yeah. They, they just like, clamp back down. Well, they, they just seem to be functioning very well. Wow. And I, I know. I talked to one of my doula friends about it. and we, we can't say it's that. Maybe it's the mother's 
head is in a very good space before birth. She's very yeah. educated and very, very confident and has no fear. Right. Baby's in an optimal position having done inversions every day. Yes. And drinking the tea. We reckon it's a combo. Amazing. Yeah. Well, on that topic, do a little intro into your beers and what you do so that the women out there know. Um, so, well, I'm a doula. So yeah. I'm that. Um, I also teach infant massage, baby massage after birth to a woman. And I do group workshops. I do group workshops with thriving families in Nambour. Mm -hmm. Um, And privately I do one-on-one ones with the mums. And then I have a organic herbal tea business where I have fertility and preconception, Mm -hmm. pregnancy, well-being, postnatal, restorative Milky Way breastfeeding tea, mm-hmm. um, hormonal bliss, mm-hmm. which is really great for hormone balance after you're done with all the baby stuff, mm-hmm. and then love your menopause. Ah, oh, amazing. Yeah. I didn't know about the menopause one. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, golden goddess one. And then I have the afterbirth zits bath herbs too that yes. I do with yes. my clients. And all the doulas on the coast, if you're hiring any doulas on the coast, most of the experienced ones all have zits baths and do the baby. Yes. You know, do the zits baths for the mum. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. So do the you love your teas? Awesome. Yes. Yeah. We have every Sunday pregnancy yoga and every Tuesday at postnatal. Oh, nice. Love them. Yeah. They're pretty yeah. yummy, huh? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. I even have them by myself when I'm not with the mummers. They're so good. Yeah. Yeah, that pregnancy one's pretty delicious. Yeah. And yeah. I'm working on a new one. I'm so excited. Oh, what's it going to be for? Um... I don't know if I should say yet, but it's, oh, you it's, can you can not say. We can do a little launch when you when you do launch. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, do, let's that. do that. Yeah, I'm very excited about this one. But the Milky Way is my absolute favorite to drink. Have you tried that yet? No, I haven't. The breastfeeding oh, one. Oh yeah, it's I just should so try. I think delicious. you gave me a little taster. Actually, I'll have to mm. give it a crack. Oh, it's just and it's super good even if you're not breastfeeding for your digestion. It's got all oh. the anise and fennel and ginger and yeah, and it goes pink. It's oh. just very pretty amazing yeah. and some mums are getting because it's new it's you know i've been waiting for the feedback but yeah mums are telling me to to maintain their supply they're drinking one to two cups a day yeah and to increase it they're doing two to four cups a day okay yeah so it's really cool getting that feedback now beautiful oh, beautiful yeah. amazing oh well, yeah. thank you so much for joining me on yeah. the podcast i hope it's inspiring for women to trust their bodies and Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely yeah wishing you all awesome births (laughs) and that's a wrap to our birth story with jody i just found that so interesting to listen to what a different lifestyle jody led over in hawaii to what we're used to here on the sunny coast so i really hope you enjoyed that too Um, The most obvious wise words of wisdom I would have taken from that podcast was the importance of pelvic floor health entering birth, as well as allowing it to recover and heal after birth, no matter how natural, normal, or cesarean section your birth was, so important to look after your pelvic floor after birth. Anyways, I really look forward to seeing you beautiful people at our yoga and our workshop so that we here at Appetence Families can help you to live simply, birth simply, and parent simply. 